fun at all today, Taylor. This is going to be very serious. I need you to stay very serious, okay? Got it. All right, cool. So here we go, 15 seconds. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything, the 98.2. Today is a special episode because I have one of my buddies with me. His name is Eric Tozer. I don't know that he has a a title, um, but, you know, he's a guy that's run seven marathons on seven different continents in seven consecutive days. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) He's honestly Superman. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. He happens to be a a type 1 diabetic too. And on the show, the whole reason why we're doing it today is because we have, I think, one of the most inspirational young ladies and uh, one of the true leaders, uh, not only in the the diabetes community, but also I think that she's going to do this in the world. Um, So welcome to the show, Miss Taylor Robinson. Hi, thanks for having me. We are excited to have you. I got some cool research. Your mom told me a lot of embarrassing things about you right off the bat. So she sent me out some pictures. I'm just joking. I saw that look. I saw the look. Um, so I, I, I love this. I, I know uh, right off the bat, like your mom was, uh, I got a chance to be able to do a little research on you. Um, you've always been an old soul. Yeah. Yes. Have you always been connected with that? Did you know that from uh, like early on? Yeah. Um, my parents have always said I've been an old soul, very mature for my age. You know, whenever I was diagnosed when I was six and the first thing I wanted to do was teach my kindergarten class, like how I give myself shots and, you know, what, why I had to leave school for like a week, you know, just, they've always said I'm very independent and mature and and old soul. So when when you were, when you were diagnosed at six, like how old are you, Eric, when you got diagnosed? I was 22. So he was 22. So, I mean, he's, he's a slow learner. Um, you know, don't, don't hold it against him. But at six, I mean, it, this is, is this a, are you at a point in your life as far as the age wise where you were just kind of like, this is just my normal or was it emotional for you? Um, when I was first diagnosed, it was definitely different. It obviously it was like a big change, but I kind of just learned to adapt. And at this point now I'm like, it's just a part of my life, you know, um, just have to deal with it. My blood sugar is low right now. So it's just kind of you know, always in the back of my head, like dealing with it. Well, l- let me just say oh, one thing about oh. that, because when this disease is incredibly demanding and challenging, it doesn't care if you're six or if you're 60. Right. So you see these kids. And when I go out and talk, it's examples like Taylor that I give because it, you take a six year old kid and put this weight on them and their parents. It's a 24 hour day thing. And the amount of courage and strength and determination, you start to have that instilled, whether you like it or not at the age of six. So you look at somebody like Taylor now and I'll put, I'll put her in in a situation ahead of anybody else. And I bet you she's going to come out stronger and, and, and and what she's had to go through since that young of an age, um, it's just going to pay dividends down, down the road. It's, Easier said than done, right? Because uh, some of our days are much harder than others, and and, and it's, it's it's draining and taxing. But um, I get I get inspired by the six year olds out there, like yourself, or obviously not six, but you know what I'm saying, right? Those the, the kids that go through this thing. It's so it's so powerful to see for me. So um, just kudos to you and and your entire family for you know you've look at you now and you know you made it look easy, and I'm sure it wasn't. So. 
um, yeah, I just want to say it's that's a huge. Uh, I applaud you huge hugely for that. Thank you, <clears throat> Taylor. You Taylor, what is the what is the blind spots for the nor- normal person? Because a lot of times, like before, I got a chance to be able to spend time with Eric. Um, you know, on the bike rides, which <clears throat> I, I have a, a theory on this. We he's like an elite athlete, and so when I ride with him, he rides really really slow to be my friend. Um, so I generally ask him a question at the bottom of the hill and then I don't talk at all. And he talks the whole time. So I'm just huffing and puffing and he's like, wow, you're a good listener. I'm not a good listener at all. I just cannot breathe the whole time. So, um, but he got to explain to me some of the blind, like explain to our audience and the people out there and whether it be young people, old people, whatever, you know, in between, what are some of the blind spots that we have that the people who have never experienced or encountered uh, type one diabetes. Um, what do you mean by blind spot? So like, I didn't know that, um, you know, him running a marathon, he risked his life, like literally risked his life. You know, what are some of the things that people don't know um, that you went through at six that you had to change like immediately? What, like, let's Mm -hmm. talk about diet. Let's talk about your routine. um, The things that you had to do um, that Mm -hmm. I don't have to do on a normal day to day basis. Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed, um, I had to, you know, take shots of insulin every day whenever I ate meals. So like now I like, I don't take for granted or like my family doesn't take for granted, you know, just like eating like one person, because every time I eat anything that has carbs in it, which is like basically anything except meat, um, I have to give myself insulin and just like stop what I'm doing, you know, bolus, if my blood sugar is low, you know, I'm a dancer. So um, if I'm in the middle of dance, and I'll have to be like, hey, I have to go like, sit in the dressing room for 10 minutes, so I can, you know, come back and dance normally. So it's just like, the little things that I've had to adjust to, but it's changed over the past, like, what, eight years that I've had this. So yeah, it's mainly just like taking things, not taking things for granted, but just like appreciating like the little things. When you were six, what was the first, what was the toughest thing to, you know, at six years old, I wasn't thinking about my diet. I mean, my, 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 parent, my parents were like, you know, eat this cereal. And if we don't have milk, pour water on it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, so I didn't really have to worry about that. What were some of the things that you had to become conscious of uh, as far as food that was, that was tough on you? Um, food was never, it wasn't the hardest thing for me because my family like already eats a pretty healthy diet. Um, but I'd say it was especially harder at school. I'd have to leave class early, walk down to the nurse's office, um, tell them what I want to eat for lunch. And then they have to research and look at like all the nutritional information to make sure I'm getting the right amount of insulin. And then I'll have to walk to lunch late and get in the back of the line and just have, you know, it's, it's mainly, it was mainly just counting carbs less than like taking away things. It was making sure I gave myself the right amount of insulin. And most adults can't even count carbs, right? You imagine Mm -hmm. you put a, right. You put a plate of food in front of a a person with type one diabetes. They, they, they have to be able to tell you there's X amount of carbohydrates in this food there. (laughs) And, and, and those, those factors that, that determine, you know, how many carbs are in there. And this goes for every person with type one, right? You need to know what your blood sugar is. Where is it headed? Is it going up? Is it going down? Is it steady? Um, Mm -hmm. What is, what's the makeup of the food you're going to eat? Is there other carbohydrates? Is there fats, proteins, 
Um, have you already taken some insulin? Are you at altitude? Are you stressed? Are you dehydrated? I mean, there's something like a few hundred factors that can change that algorithm that is mm-hmm. unique for every person with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. So do that every single day, any time and every time you eat something. And even sometimes when you don't eat something, you have to inject. Right. <laughs> Taylor, this is why I love you. You're, you're <laughs> incredible. So at six, at six years old too, when you wanted to be able to help your friends, right? You wanted, like literally, you wanted to talk to them right then. Most people at six years old, if, you, if something's different about you, then you almost want to make sure that you become just like everybody else. Where did that part come from? Um, I guess I, I've just always been very confident in myself. My parents especially raised me to be a very confident person. Um, yeah, I just remember walking in the classroom and walking around first time I've ever been back to school in like over a week and just going to little tables and showing them how I prick my finger. I remember there was was this one kid and he was afraid of needles, but I didn't care. And I kept pricking my finger and he started like screaming, crying. That's like, I I vividly remember that. Um, And then just like going up in front, I I remember they had the whole class like sit on the carpet and the nurse came in and she like read them a book and explained everything. And I've just always been kind of really open about my disease and my differences, differences. Well, so you, you seem like you take it, not, not that you don't take it serious, but you seem to take it light as far as being able to joke and being able to do those kind of things. Um, has this always been, is this something that your dad instilled in you, your mom, do you want to give your mom credit or your dad credit in this? And you can only give one. (laughs) (laughs) My mom lacks me and my dad's sense of humor. Okay. So, <laughs> Very much. so how is that though, too? Cause the, most of the people who are on the, uh, that are listening, um, Taylor lives in Nashville. Now, mm-hmm. not, I'm not giving any hard times to the South cause I used to live there, but the South is the home of the carb. That's where the carb came from yes. is the South. Like <laughs> how have you been able to adjust that diet? Because I know when I, I lived in the South, I mean, I don't even think that I had anything outside of a carb. um well my family especially my mom we're like we're already pretty healthy um my mom has been gluten how long have you been gluten free eight years she's been gluten free for eight years like she can't eat gluten it hurts her stomach and then my sister the same thing happened to her she stopped eating gluten because it was bothering her and so I also have um arthritis and gluten helps you know what's the word Inflammation. inflammation Gluten kind of fuels inflammation. So I cut out gluten in like two years ago. And then this past year I stopped eating dairy and now I'm vegan. Um, and my sister is vegan. Uh, no, she's not vegan. She doesn't eat dairy and me and my mom are vegan. So I've just like, my parents just have a really healthy diet. So that's helped me a lot. And also at school, they have really nice, we have really good school food, nice salad bar, so it's easy to not eat that many carbs. Would you say this is a true or false one? This is just true or false. True or false, me has the best restaurant of all time. True. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, if you get a chance to be able to go to this restaurant, tell, tell us the name of the restaurant. Pinewood Kitchen. Yes, Pinewood Hall. Kitchen. And we went there for a PLH ride. That I mean, 
it honestly, it was like hanging out with Eric. Like it made me feel so bad about myself because I knew I was never going to have food like this again. And he does this for me. Like he's wearing the same, almost the same shirt that I am, which is awful. We should have coordinated a little bit better. So um, I know too, uh, when you were eight years old, so six years old, you're uh, diagnosed with type one. You got a smile on your face. You want to help the world and you're going to be president someday too, because of all these things that you're doing at eight years old. Um, you get diagnosed with alopecia. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in the hair industry, been in the hair industry 28 years. Now I would like to think that's the most important thing to a woman, right? I'd like to think that because I think that I'm the most important thing to all women. That's what I think. (laughs) Okay. But it's the only outfit that you wear every day. How were you able to take us through that emotional time of your cheerleading, your dancing, um, your educating kids, um, you're doing all these things and your hair starts to go. Where are you at then? I think I was in like third or fourth grade and my mom had kind of been noticing like my hair had been thinning. And one day I walked into her bathroom and she, we looked at the back of my head and there's this huge spot, like the size of your palm on like the way back of my head that's just completely bald and so we went to the doctor they diagnosed me and my alopecia kind of comes in waves or it did um so I'd have a spot I had that big spot and then it went away and then I have another spot one at one point it was like just a little one right there so I had hair sticking out of my ponytail for like a year I have on me and um then it got to the point this past year where it was just like really bad um, I was falling out everywhere. We, we, I was doing acupuncture in my head to try to get come back. Just a lot of things. And I finally, if I, I told my, I had kept in the back of my mind for a few months, like if it got bad enough, if I couldn't hide it, I'm just going to shave my head. And it got to the point where it was at that. And I finally, someone took a picture of me from behind and just like randomly. And I saw, and I was like, I thought I covered everything. And then I saw a huge spot in the back of my head. I've never noticed before. So I was like, mom, tomorrow we're going to shave my head. And we did. And it's, I've honestly loved it. I don't have to take long showers anymore, straighten my hair. And I've just kind of learned to embrace it. And I, I love my head. Hey, Taylor, <laughs> you are stunning. Absolutely stunning. I mean, you you, you wear it so phenomenal. And I think that God bless you with a good shaped head. This is the reason why I'm not bald is because my head is really lumpy. Like he's probably got a perfect head. He could shave his head to be good, but your head is, I mean, you're, you got a good dome and you are stunning. So I just, I mean, you rock yeah. it. I'm, I, did you have other friends that shave their head with you? Um, I had friends that tried to, and I told them no, because they don't have a good shaped head. <laughs> Amen. Um, my parents tried to shave their head and uh, my mom has like a really round head. I was like, no, you look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, that's what we call the Scotty Pippen effect. Uh, this was before your time, but there was a time when Scotty Pippen, who is Michael Jordan's Batman, shaved his head and he looked like he had a pack of hot dogs on his head. It wasn't a good look at all. Um, so I'm glad that you helped your friends. You're always helping people, yeah. which I think is amazing. <laughs> so the next part, which I mean, it, the 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 attitude part of it you're you're a beaming light am i correct on this eric I, i'm literally speechless and in, in all okay so yeah, get this yeah. though at 14 years old taylor you already know this at 14 years old you get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. so at six type one at eight we got alopecia and at 14 we got rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm 
at this point, are you like, I mean, how, 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 what, how do you react at that point? Um, I've actually had room toured for like a few years. How long? Have I, been? I was 10 when you I got room toured. Okay. You were 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, 10. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. So I've kind of just dealt with it. My rheumatoid luckily, thankfully is not as bad as other people's knock on wood. Um, and it's, it can be challenging sometimes, like, especially cause I said, I'm a dancer, um, balance, dance is really hard on your joints, especially. So whenever my doctor was like, what sports do you do? And I was like, dance. And she was like, oh crap, that's like the worst thing that you can do. Um, so I've just learned to balance everything and make the best of every situation. And yeah, pretty much. I love that. Can you imagine if everybody had that simple? Can you teach my kids? I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> Well, it's, it's it's incredible to speak to this too, uh, you know, Eric, because, um, you know, when, when Eric got diagnosed tw- at 22, right? So it was almost as if he upped his, upped his game, you know, there mm-hmm. are, if you look at, you got to look him up too. Uh, he was a Calvin Klein, am I correct? Was it Calvin Klein? You... It was. He was no, a Calvin Klein. No, 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 no. It, it wasn't. It wasn't Calvin Klein. What was it? But, um, what was it? Uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay. <laughs> Hollister, that kind of. Yeah, Abercrombie and Fitch model. So he was all over as a national, national, international, all this stuff. So he's the guy. So he upped that kind of game. So when you got diagnosed was, I mean, cause a lot of times people get diagnosed with stuff and then they retract. It seems like both of you guys got diagnosed and saw it as a challenge. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this thing. Just talk to that. Yeah. I, I mean, I credit. <clears throat> Abercrombie and Fitch? No, I, <laughs> I could. So I, I was actually diagnosed in, in the middle of it. I did a couple shoots for him, um, and then it, during college, and I was I was diagnosed right after I finished um, my my college soccer career. I also went did school. Um, so I, I, right after I graduated is when I was diagnosed, and so I was coming off of a college soccer career. Um, I was doing some of this photo shoots and whatnot, but. But um, I took that, I credit that competitive mindset and also being a little naive, I didn't know type one. I didn't know type one from type two. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know anybody with it. Um, And so I just said, you know, hey, I don't know what this thing is, but I'm not going to let this that I don't know much about control what I can or can't do. And I'm going to live the life I want to live and make this thing fit into that life as opposed to saying I need to change my life to fit this mold and for me that's that sort of it was ama- it was very much naive because I didn't know anything about it and I had to learn the hard way and, and educate myself a lot there wasn't you know Instagram wasn't even around right so there was there was no real kind of connecting with other people um, so it, it was it was lonelier in, in that sense and you were a bit more alone in trying to learn and you know form a network and um, thankfully that's we're able to do that more so now, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's that it's like Taylor's saying, right. It's, it's your attitude about it. And I mean, what, the first thing you said about the podcast, right. Attitude, right. And that's can define and shape everything. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible to see how with the right attitude, you can truly take on any kind of obstacle that comes your way. And here's, now, here's living. <clears throat> what Taylor, was it a process for you? Like, you know, when you, when you see it, did, did you go into attack mode? I heard that you are, I mean, I, I see some of the stuff that you're doing, right? I mean, you already, 
ran the NFL draft. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's very few 14 year olds that are like, I'm going, I'm in like you were in the, I watched you in the draft room. Like you were, you were doing stuff. And I saw your dad being like, you know, I, I got to make sure that I do what she tells me. I see who runs the household, but <laughs> you do. I know because my daughter, my daughter's got me too. His daughter's got him too. Did you go into attack mode that way? Did you have that before these things? Did you have that competitive mindset, uh, you know, before these things happened? Um, I've always been a super competitive person, specifically with like diabetes. I can't really remember my life before diabetes. I can't remember not having it. So I feel like it's just kind of always been my lifestyle. And I've always been, I want to be the best at diabetes, you know, like, um, and yeah, I've just always wanted not be the best, but just be the best I can be and embracing what God has given me. And just like y'all said, your attitude towards everything, having a positive attitude so that other people have positive attitudes and just, you know, be happy and embrace everything. How is your relationship? Like, how is your relationship with God uh, during this time too? I mean, did you ever get to a point? Cause I know I've got to points in my life with my relationship with the Lord. Um, and I like to think that, you know, I have a good one. I've spent time with him, but there's been some stuff that when I, that I'm like, look, God, like you need to explain to a brother, you know what I mean? Like you need to help a brother out here. Did you ever get to that? Or were you just nice, like positive Taylor all the way through? Or did you have some times where you were like, look, you know what I mean? Don't bring me one more of these things. No, I've definitely had a lot of times and my mom can, <laughs> my mom can, um, attest. I, you know, I get frustrated a lot, but I just remember it's in his plan. You know, he knows what he's doing and I need to trust that. So I've definitely been a, a very upset, but I also know like there's nothing I can do about it. That's Oh, you, you're incredible. So I know a lot of, uh, like you, you started off Tay's team, right? And, mm -hmm. um, when you said that you want to be the best at diabetes, I mean, you jumped out and you were the number one team. Can you talk about Tay's team and, and how you were able, I mean, you guys raised more than anybody else as a rookie too, right? Yeah. So Tay's team started when I was first diagnosed and through JDRF it's, they have a walk every year and it started when we were living in the Boston area. And it was just a small little team, you know, like my friends and family, my best friend, who's also my next door neighbor, her dad, um, her, her dad's sister has type one. And so he was already putting on a walk, like his own walk. And so that's where it started. We do his walk and then also the JRF walk and it traveled with us. It just got bigger and bigger. We kept fundraising. My parents threw their own little gala to raise money. Um, and it just kept growing whenever we moved to Tampa, you know, it, it traveled there too. And we do walk there. And now here I, we don't do taste team as much. I'm involved. We, I got my school into, um, the walk me and my friend Connor, he he'll be a senior this year. We both have type one. And so we started the FRA, I think it's called the paw pricking Panthers. Um, <laughs> I did not come up with that, <laughs> um, but we have a school team. There's some teachers and a lot of kids at my school with it. So it's just the walk and my team, my teams have just grown throughout this whole transition, eight years sort of thing. 
So have you, have you experienced the other side? Because I mean, obviously we're talking about the positive side of it, the, you know, you wanting to, uh, educate kids. I mean, you've educated yourself. Did you ever deal with anybody, you know, giving you a hard time because they didn't understand it or, um, you know, cause kids at th- those ages are pretty brutal. Um, mm-hmm. you know, did you, did you experience those things and how did you deal with them? Honestly, with my diabetes, all of my friends, I've never really had anyone n- negative towards me towards my diabetes specifically. Um, I do remember when I was like really little, maybe like seven or eight, I went to the nurse's office to check my blood sugar. And this kid walked in and he was like, I had my insulin pump. He was like, you know, you're not supposed to have your iPod. And I was like, okay. And me and the nurses just laughed and he went to the bathroom and we just all laughed. But no, I've never really had to deal with any negative people that I can think of. So, I think yeah. that's a, I think that's a testament to your, uh, to your attitude yep. because your attitude, I think that even if there was a person tailored from spending this, you know, a couple minutes with you, you would be like, Oh, cool. I mean, thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. I just, we, we love this part. So one of the big reasons why I became this guy's friend is because this guy is on another level in every aspect of his life in business. He's gangster when sports he's gangster when we ride bikes he's like can ride backwards there was a time taylor where we rode up a hill this is a true story watch his face because he's gonna laugh we rode up a hill called double peak and i was i could not ride anymore i could not push the pedals anymore he rode rode, rode up and he was past me and then he just turned around came down and then he put his hand on my back and pushed me up the hill while he was pushing himself with one hand so this is the type of guy he is. The reason why I wanted to be his friend is because he was so good at what he did. And, and when you surround yourself with phenomenal people, you have the tendency to um, elevate. Okay. You've been around elite athletes your entire life. How much of an effect has being around that and seeing that had on you? Um. I just think it's just a really cool opportunity. You know, I love my dad and I love the opportunities he's given me over the past, my whole life. And I've just loved being around like the players and, you know, all these athletes and they're really cool. And I really look up to them and they just inspire me to inspire more people. And yeah, it's just been a really cool opportunity that I've had. Now, has there been practical application? Like you see one, one of the guys and they're working out a certain way or they're pushing through something and you were able to apply that in your life. Do you have any stories as far as specific wise that you looked at and said that really, that particular time inspired me? Um, I'm trying to think there's nothing off the top of my head. I just kind of like, you know, seeing them like, you know, in games, pushing through, um, in practice. And I'm trying to think I have, there's nothing that comes to mind right now. Um, but, Oh, I guess, um, Derek Henry, I really look up to Derek Henry and he, you know, (laughs) let's Let's get him to be a Titans fan. No, you kidding me. I had Derek. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. You sold. sold. Hey, Taylor, you know, I've been an Oilers fan since I was six. Since I was mm-hmm. six, yes. six years old. That's, I mean, okay. So he's on our bandwagon now, Taylor. I mean, we're real fans, but he's a bandwagon. No, now. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm from California, born and raised in California. I, I'm from Sacramento, though. We didn't have a football team, right? I mean, the Niners were, were the close. But uh, 
but he, so he I was just about to say the Raiders. If he would have said the Raiders, Taylor, you could, I would have given you permission to just hang up. <laughs> no, I, what I, what I love about being someone neutral is that I can appreciate the athlete, the athletes and the players who are out of this world. Brilliant. And to me, Derek Henry is one of those. And I would say that I, my next door neighbor works for the chargers and I've told that to him, <laughs> you know, so, so I, I'm right there with you, Dilly. So when you had, when, when you saw this, uh, where, when was it with Derek Henry that you saw that you said, Hey, this really inspires me. Just kind of over his whole career. He, you know, he's always been good. He's always been really good, but over the past like year, he's really just broke through. He's, you know, I mean, like I said, he's always been good, but now he's really showing who he is and his potential. And that just really inspires me. Also, Taylor Lewan. I love Taylor. Um, He's one of my favorites. And whenever he was suspended for, I don't agree. I don't either. But um, he just came back and he kept pushing. And I just really look up to that. That's, that's incredible. So when you went in, uh, when you went into, um, you're in middle school now, right? I'll be a freshman. So. You're going to be a freshman. So you're going into yeah. high school. Okay. How's yes. that transition? Is it the same school or are you going to a high school or, or is it, is it all the same? It's the, I go to a K through 12 school, so I'll be on the same campus. Okay. So. How many kids are in your grade? I think there will be about 90. We're getting like 20 ish. 20 to 30 new kids this year. Okay. Tell us about some pinch me moments. You've had a pinch me moment. You know, you've been around things that most people, when they look at, they say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you, but that's your normal, right? So like, if I was to say, do you think your dad is like, I mean, because people talk about your pop and people talk about your mom, like, oh my gosh, you know, and you're like, that's my dad and my mom, right? So it's normal, right? Like kind of like his kids. They don't like my kids are like, oh my gosh, it's Superman. And his kids are like, it's dad, you know? Yeah. Tell us about some, tell us about some pinch me moments that you've had in your life. One was we were on our way to Boston (laughs) for the Patriots game in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Let's talk a lot about this game. Let's talk a lot about this game right now. Um, We were on the plane and me and my sister were sitting in a separate row. And all of a sudden we see this guy talking to my mom and he's like, you're John Robinson's wife. Can I get a picture with you? And that's like the first time that's ever happened to her. And so he took us, like he wanted a selfie and she was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? Oh, another thing was like the other day, like two days ago, me and my sister, me and my sister, my mom and my grandma were just walking on a trail and me and my sister Bailey were like kind of farther ahead. We kind of ran ahead and we had been walking kind of close to this guy and his girlfriend and their dog. Um, like we would walk in front of them and then they'd run past us, you know, that sort of thing. And so they were behind us and they were running up. And the guy, after like 45 minutes, was like, your dad's the man, tighten up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like he's not even with us. Like she just <laughs> recognized me and my sister. <laughs> hey, to, go go, to go back real quick, one okay. second. You, you asked Taylor about kind of what the play, what, you know, what players inspire her. Yeah. I bet you if you flipped the script oh, and we had the play, we had, you had Derek Henry on here and you asked him or any of the other players, I would bet, I don't bet, I would bet money that they say that you inspire them. So yeah. that, I mean, I mean that. And 
for them to get to see you what you do i guarantee that gives them inspiration too it's thank you that's really cool it really is and cool it is really really cool to be able to see what you do and you seem to be always out front you seem to be a leader of your crew am i correct I'd like to think so. Okay. So are you the lead? Like for me, I was the not, I wouldn't say that I was a leader, but I, I was the leader in getting my friends to do silly stuff. Right. That's, that's the Bouvier, right? You got Bouviers. Yes. Love me. I, mean, Wait, I can't hear you. My dog was barking. Can you okay. say that again? Uh, no, I was saying you have Bouviers. Oh yes. Yes. Do you know what the Bouvier? I, I just saw it run by. But you remember Moby in the uh, in the neighborhood? Moby, the big black bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a Bouvier. Oh. So you've got oh, yeah. bears as dogs. I've seen them before. <laughs> These dogs are so cool. <laughs> so I, what I was saying is, is when I was in school, I I was not the leader, but I was the leader of getting the crew to do silly stuff. And mm-hmm. do you guys? I mean, do you get the crew to do some silly stuff? Are you are are you in that realm? You seem like a little jokester too. Yeah. Well, my friend group is like 10 girls and we basically are all leaders. So sometimes it can be really hard to get us to do stuff. Um, But I'd say there's a few in particular, I'd say me included, that really tries to get the group to, you know, do things and just, you know, make plans. Um, I'd like to say one of my friends, Anna, she is a big, like it's, her way or no way, um, in the best way possible. But I like to think I just try to, you know, encourage my friends to do things rather than, you know, I guess force them. But I do, I do like to think I'm a leader. But you've got good negotiating skills. Yes, very. Are you able to negotiate with your mom? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you win? Now, What's I don't, that? I don't even have to ask you about your dad. Cause I know with your dad, like you don't, you negotiate with him real easy, right? He's got- scary. <laughs> so what about, what about your pop? Like, I know that you guys have a, a really special bond too. I saw one mm-hmm. of the, um, the, uh, the JDRF, uh, uh, galas that you guys did. And there was a moment that you guys had, um, it was, it brought me to tears. I had to stop it. Um, and then I told my wife, my, my, I just got some in my eye. Um, <laughs> but talk to us about that experience. Um, so it was like, I think I was in fifth grade and I was in fifth grade and I, um, volunteer with J- the JDRF gala and I help out as a youth ambassador. So me and like 10 other kids with type one, we help out at the gala. We, you know, pass out auction items to winners, stuff like that. So we were on stage and every year this artist um, donates a painting and it's inspired by the youth ambassadors and just other people with type one. And so we were on stage holding the painting and I see my dad bit on it and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And um, he just won't put his card down. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he's like walking on stage. It's this whole ordeal. And I was crying. I it was annoying because <laughs> I cried in front of everyone. Um, but it was just really, it was really special. And then he did it like two more times, and I was really annoyed at him. I mean, grateful, obviously. Of course. But I was like, dude, you got to stop making me cry in front of everyone. It's <laughs> annoying. Um, but so now we have three paintings in our house uh, inspired by Type One, which is really cool. And I just appreciate everything he does for me. So what's that thing that your dad does that he knows annoys you, but he does it on purpose now? Um, oh, there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, he'll just like walk into my room 
and I'll be in the middle of doing something and he won't leave. And I'll just be like, okay, dad, thank you. Bye. And he just won't leave. until I have to yell at him. But I mean, I appreciate he wants to check on me, but like if I'm in the middle of, you know, doing something, working out and just need, you know, you need your, your, um, your time. Okay. So you're right at, your mom's not in the room now too. So you're right at that time. And we won't let your dad listen to this either. Uh, cause you shouldn't talk to boys until you're probably 45. Um, you're at that point though, where boys obviously are interested. They're trying to holler at you, stuff like that. I'm all sitting right here. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, yeah, I know. Watch it. That's what your mom said. That's what I'm going to tell you is watch it. Just stay away from boys. That's, this is what we tell our daughters. Right? I will. Just stay away from them forever. Mm-hmm. Because you have such great examples with your parents and, and with your pops and things like that, how has that, uh, you know, how has that helped you or, or uh, you know, in the, in that arena? I mean, are you, do you have super high standards and if they don't hit the standards, then you don't talk to them? Or um, do you sometimes let some boneheads around you? <laughs> <laughs> you let you let one one bonehead around you yeah but that's in the past okay um, right. um yeah i have really high standards at this point um which isn't there's not a lot of options um nowadays it's a little challenging but i just let them come to me and i just wait it out because um i don't really care i mean i'm not crazy about I'm not boy crazy so I'm not like you know obsessed but I'm like yeah I just have to watch out for the um bad ones yes okay so uh let's I mean we won't go too far into it but we will talk about it because you said one knucklehead um did your parents spot it right away did your mom spot it and be like you need to get away from him did your pop step in and be like yo let me clean my gun in front of him because I know your dad is from the old school and uh so was it like that and they had that conversation and then you just continued on not really like it was like he was fine at first and then did your um, mom did your mom see it though taylor did she see it right away and say nothing like he was really fine oh wow and then and then for a few like it was fine a few months and then all of a sudden um he just got rude and annoying and um (laughs) We're laughing about it right now because it's really funny. Um, <laughs> he was just not a good, I don't want to say he wasn't a good person, but he just changed and it was time to go. Okay. So he, he, he most likely didn't change. He just, he just put on a front, uh, you know, he put on that. That, yeah, that that's more accurate. I have a friend. He went after my friend after me and no one really knew who he really I don't I sound rude but I he's special um (laughs) no one really I don't want to no one really knew how he really was until they actually witnessed it so then like she's not my I mean she goes to another school you know we're mutual friends and after they broke up I was like you see what I'm talking about and now we we bond over um that incident the silliness Yes, the silliness. The silliness. I, I tell you, it, it really, it, it's what we call as, as guys, we call it grand opening service. Um, you know, we experience this when we go to hotels, like if we go to a hotel um, and you go there on the first week, 
you have to ask them, is this grand opening service or is this what can I, ex- I can expect for the longevity? And most guys have grand opening service. So make sure that uh, you just don't talk to anyone until you're 40 and then right. everything will be fine. Yeah. Is that, yeah. would you say that I mean, too, it's, Eric? It's, safe. it's a safe, it's a safe route. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Tell them it's girl. better. Or just, if you have any interest, just introduce them to your dad and have your dad and them go out on a, like a mandate together. And then when your dad gets back, he can tell you whether you should talk to him or not, which I'll will, do that. Which will pro, is your, is your pop super protective too? Extremely. Okay. Good. No boys. Yes. Yes. I love this. So music what kind of music are you into? I'm kind of into everything. Um, I'm not a big rap person, but like, if it's good, I'll listen to it. Um, I have, I guess I have a kind of not different, but just unique music taste for my age. Um, I like pop. I like kind of indie folk stuff. Um, I'm really into the Ava brothers and Tyler Childers and Harry Styles. I love Harry Styles. Um, but kind of, I kind of have a different music taste from most of my friends, which is cool. But at the same time, it's, if I want to play music, they're like, Taylor, what is this? This is so weird. And I'm just like, it's what I like, you know? You got to educate them. Yeah, U- right. Ultimate concert that you want to go to, you haven't been to yet, and that you want to go to. I know when we're talking about this, we're in COVID-19, and <laughs> we're going to see right. a concert on Instagram. Um, I believe that at some point we'll have concerts again. What is your ultimate concert? Um, I've been saying since the Harry Style concert, you know, has been, um, it got canceled, but since it came out, I was like, I'm going to this. I've already been to one of his concerts like a few years ago, but that's what happens a lot with me. I go to a concert and then I get really into the artist. Um, so that's what happened with a- the Ava brothers. My friend brought me, um, and I honestly had no idea who they were. And then I listened to all their stuff and now I'm obsessed. So I definitely go back to them. Ty- the people I said earlier, them, Ava brothers, Tyler Childers, um, Harry Styles, Noah Cyrus too. I love her. She's really good. So you, yeah. you made the comment, which I, I love is he, he bring this up real quick. So sorry, just check. Do you guys use the same one? So he's checking yeah. right now. Are you using the same one? The which one is this? Tandem. This the is the tandem. Tandem X two. Look at that. Tandem X two. Pump buddies. So this explain this because this is reality in our friendship too. We would be riding and I would hear something and I thought that he was really a super like a, a like a android um, at first when I met him and I didn't know what it was. I just thought that he was like Darth Vader. And he had all his, you know, that's why he was beating me on the bike. Talk to us about this experience because you're monitoring all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long have you been on the tandem pump? I've been, I was on, how long have I been on this one? That particular one since March. I've been on this, February. I've been on the tandem for a few years. I've been on this, the one, the control IQ one yep. since March. Um, but I've had a pump. I got a pump like six weeks after I was diagnosed. So I, I barely have given myself shots. Yeah. I was on pens for about six years prior to mm-hmm. getting on this back in October. And mm-hmm. so Kelly, what's really cool about this is it takes, you know, that other device that I wear that this one. Yeah. That tracks my blood sugar every five minutes. Okay. It has that data in here and using an algorithm will automatically turn on 
to deliver more insulin when your blood sugar starts to trend up uh-huh. and when your blood sugar when it predicts hey you're going to go too low and have low blood sugar in the next 30 minutes it'll shut the blood sugar or it'll, it'll turn the insulin off so it essentially tries its best to now automate insulin delivery to keep you in a healthy range all day long and it's game changer i waited for two years to get on to an insulin pump for this thing to come out and um mm-hmm. it's i mean it's truly just saving lives so i don't know about you but for me i now wake up that was that was always one of my biggest struggles was to wake up with a good blood sugar number and now with mm-hmm. control iq i wake up you know 100 to 120 almost every day um, yeah. and it's i feel like it's like a reset button every night so i just i love mm-hmm. it Taylor, i know i love Taylor, do you feel it physically? Like, do you, do you, you know, will you know if you're dropping low, will you know if you're going mm-hmm. high, will you know? Um, yeah, I feel it more when I'm low. Um, you kind of just get really like, you have to sit down really weak and dizzy. Um, it's like a weird feeling. Like I've never, like, I don't think anyone besides type one diabetics have really felt like knows the exact feeling. Um, when my blood sugar is like higher I get really crabby. I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, and I just get really annoying. Um, and just like really thirsty, you know, just want to be left alone. But I don't feel as necessarily sick as I do when I'm low. Yeah. So when you're high, explain this because, again, there's a lot of listeners that don't understand these things. When you go low, uh, explain to us. I, I've had these conversations with him on the bike rides. And I was like, wait a second. Hold on. Act like I'm four. Um, most of the people have no education on this stuff at all. When you go low, what does that actually mean? So, um, when I'm low, that means I have too much insulin in my system. So I need carbs to bring it back up. So that's why like I drink juice boxes. That's around like 15 carbs, um, per juice box. I'll like, if my blood sugar is like 70 ish, a juice box, you get it up in like 10 to 15 minutes. Um, when my blood sugar is high, that means I need insulin and I don't have enough. Um, so I'll just bolus depending, I'll just plug in what my blood sugar is into my pump and it'll automatically calculate how much insulin I need and just send it to myself. So when you're low, having like the juice box, like you said, when you go high, is there things that you could eat that would help you to be able to, um, water, but no insulin chips. Is we, that, is that I came up with, with this? it. I yeah, came up yeah, with this. I thought he was going here. I came up with this. Uh, you want to tell him because you can invest in this very early on. This was my idea, yeah, but yeah, I mean, cool. him and I were partnering in it. Go ahead and mm-hmm. explain it there. Eric. Well, as I remember, yes, <clears throat> the idea was to have a bag of chips that had insulin infused into it, but it was time <laughs> release. Yeah, time released. Insulin and what chips. were they going to be called? No, they were going to be called Chipsalum. <laughs> so, so, now, Taylor, Chipsalum, wouldn't yeah, it just be awesome when you, your favorite chip, what type is your favorite chip? Are you a Lay's potato chip or are you like a Doritos? I'm a Ruffles. Okay, so like a Ruffles. Yeah. Or is it plain Ruffles or you got the, the sour cream and cheese? I'll do either. Okay, which one's your favorite though? Which one will you fight someone for? Plain. Okay, so for plain, imagine if you had the taste of that and you knew that you, when you ate them, then you had time release and, it, and whenever you needed the insulin, then it would, bam, it would go. This would be a great idea, right? It's a win-win. Mm-hmm. See, I'm telling just no one has invested yet. Um, mm-hmm. It's still on the open market. We're working on the, the uh, <laughs> we're working on the advertisement for it. So yeah. 
I if, think COVID is really slowing down the progress. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing. That. I mean, it's been, you know, it's humid outside. Uh, <laughs> that's the reason why it is. So these are your words, Taylor. Uh, you said that you're not basic. Um, can you elaborate on that? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you asked me. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm bald, so that's very not basic. Okay, got it. <laughs> Um, I feel like I just, I don't want to say I am basic. I, I like the same things as my friends. You know, I'm not, I'm not, not basic in that sense. I'm not, I'd say I'm not basic in the sense. I don't really care what people think about me. I mean, I do, but not, not, you know, heavily. I, if someone doesn't like me, I could care less. Um, I just, I'm kind of just my own person. I don't really do things because other people want me to do them. I, that is, I, I think that's the greatest uh, response from a dad mm-hmm. and like a daughter, it. like having a daughter who would say like, who would be able to say that. I think that I'm telling you, that is probably one of the most encouraging things, you know, because there's so many pressures. I mean, there's so many pressures. There's so many different things that, that are challenging. What are some of the things mm-hmm. that you want to do? Um, you, you love dance. Are you more of a hip hop dancer? Are you a jazz dancer? Are you a lyrical? What are you? Um, my favorite is contemporary, but I kind of I'm a, I do competition dance, so I do every style. I had like I had a cowboy dance this year that was interesting. Um, and I was in, I'm in like seven different dances, so I do kind of everything. Um, but yeah, I guess contemporary is probably my favorite. Favorite choreographer. Do you watch like, so you think you could dance and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, America's best dance crew and all those things who yeah. do you have any favorites? Choreography wise, there's like so many, I really like, Oh, there's this guy. He's around like 17. His name's Jackson. I think, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Willard, Willard. Okay. Um, he was on, so you think you can dance and he, chore- I think he choreographed like all, if not most of his own stuff. And he is just like, he's insane. Like I've, he's one of the best dancers I've ever seen in my whole life. And he's 16 and it's just incredible to me to watch him. So he's probably my favorite right now. Do you want to pursue that aspect? I mean, do you want to teach, do you want to teach dance? Do you want to continue on in the dancing aspect and continue to compete? Um, I honestly have no idea what I want to do. Um, I was talking about this with my mom and my friend last night. Like I have just so many different paths that I could take that I just, I have, I truly have no idea what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Well, that's good. I mean, at 14, I don't think you need to uh, do it. I don't think that you need to know. I know that you were talking about uh, possibly wanting to be a doctor. Am I correct? Yeah, that's been something I've always said. I kind of, I've been interested in obviously with, all of my medical issues want to help people. Do you guys find that common in, in the, in the community, like in the, uh, in you guys' community and you're in in the culture where, um, people are able to overcome and then they want to help other people. Is that common or are you two just superheroes? I'd say it's pretty common. Yeah. You see At least all my friends. That yeah, I mean, one, I think a good example is um, there's diabetes camps for kids, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of which are brilliant, right? It's a camp. It's like a summer camp, 
but it's specifically intended for kids with type one. And so they go and the, the staff are all either nurses, CDEs, um, and it's, it's, it's a safe place for, for parents to send their kids to have a summer camp. And what you see happen a lot of time is the kids who went to camp become the camp counselors, right? Kind of you see what it means to help somebody, um, the impact it has. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason I did the world marathon challenge. I right? was to show and have that impact on people with type one. Cause I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing we do. And so to be able to turn around and help other people through our experiences, um, uh, can, can mean a lot. So Taylor, has there been things that you've wanted to do to basically tell, like, I think doing seven marathons, seven days in seven different continents, consecutive days, that's kind yeah. of like saying to diabetes, like <laughs> I own you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, has there been things that you've wanted to, that you've looked at and said, this is what I want to do. I want to do this to prove to other people, not that you're looking for other people's approval, but to prove to other people that you don't have to be defined by these things. Right. Um, kind of just dancing. My friends all the time say like, I really have no excuse to, you know, if I'm, you know, just not having a good dance day, I really don't have an excuse because Taylor, you know, has arthritis and she's like in pain. Um, so I think just like keep still dancing. I had a dance competition and I did my solo and my blood sugar was like 60 and, um, I did, did not do my best, but I did better than I expected. I did better than some other people, um, with still being super dizzy and sick. So I think just like continuing to show that I can do everything with my medical issues just proves to everyone that I'm, I'm just normal. And to do anything with your blood sugar at 60, that's, that's, that's low, right? So to okay, help have a us conversation to, but, is, is, and, is and help stuff. us to understand like, okay, you said 60 and I love this Taylor because you, you just, the, even in talking to you, you said, yeah, I mean, I got diagnosed with type one at six years old and then I wanted to help my friends. Oh yeah. I got eight years old at 10 years old. I did this. And then you just glazed over like. I was at 60 and then I continued on and I did the competition. I beat some other kids and, you know, but you, help us to understand on a scale, like is 60, I mean, where's normal? Where's normal? Um, normal target range is like a hundred, 110 ish. Um, you can be like 90. That's good. I'd say 90 to 110 is, or 20, 90 to 120 is probably target range. Okay. Um, low is I'd say 80 and below. Um, pretty low is like, I'd say 50 and below 60 is kind of in the middle. Like you're low, but you're not like, you're really low, but you're not like, you have to sit down. You have to like, you can't do anything until you're back up. I mean, you should, but like I kept dancing. So, um, <laughs> is it usually but, like below 50? You need okay. somebody's help, but, but is that, is that, 60 is, is, is kind of low for you two superheroes or is this regular people? Like, cause most of the people who are listening are like me. (laughs) They're, they're like the 98% of the America. You two are the 2%. You guys are like the, you guys should both wear capes. So, so that's actually a great point, right? So if, if, you know, somebody like Taylor who has well-controlled diabetes, her normal might be in that, you know, 
your blood sugar, a normal person is between 80 and 140 almost all the time. You don't really go outside of that range. Okay. If you feel, you know, you go on a long bike ride and you feel really faint and weak, that's low blood sugar. So you might be below 80, you have a Gatorade or whatnot, and you're fine. But for some people, if they're, if they're normal every day is 250, then 120 might feel, they might feel low, right? Uh, okay. For somebody like say Taylor's at, I don't know, a hundred all day long. No one's at a hundred all day long, but if your normal is a hundred to 140, you've got really tight control of your diabetes, then 70 might not feel low. So there's sort of a, it, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous disease because to get from 70 to 50 is five minutes, right? Wow. I mean, it, it can happen incredibly fast uh, with the, you know, slightest miscalculation. And so, um, it's sort of dependent upon what your normal is. And, and when you're low, you don't, you, you physically can't, you, your body just doesn't have the fuel to perform, whether it be mentally, physically, uh, when you're really high. So when you're above normal range, so that's kind of mid one hundreds, uh-huh. everybody's a little, a little bit different, but you know, you have say 150 and above, and then the higher you get, the worse it is. Um, you can end up in the hospital. You feel super fatigued. Taylor, I'm right there with you. There's, there's diabetes shirts that say, you know, sorry for what I said when I was high or when I was low, um, you get cranky. You just don't feel well. You feel sick. Um, you can actually become sick. Um, you know, uh, I think I shared it with you, but, uh, 13 years ago, um, as I was still kind of learning about type one and, um, I had played a bunch of basketball games after work one night. I didn't understand the kind of insulin on board. I didn't understand blood sugar trends. I didn't, it was before I was on my Dexcom and ended up having a seizure in the middle of the night because my blood sugar just went so far low. I had checked my blood sugar before bed. It was a good number. I was happy with it, but I didn't, I didn't have that thought process yet of, you know, um, the effect of exercise on blood sugar. And, and so, um, had a pretty scary incident. Thankfully my you know, wife was right there and, but it can it can be the slightest miscalculation can end up you know putting mm-hmm. us putting us in the hospital, and right. it's easy to see right. I, I think that's that's what's so powerful about something like Taylor. Like you look at it and like from the outside we look you know normal and healthy, <laughs> but but you know I think that's part of the reason that uh, I, I know at least I do what I do to show. Yes, I might not look like a like a, a sick, but live with a very serious and kind of dangerous disease that's 24 7 how how important is it taylor to be able to because you seem like you you're you're obviously you're dancing you're you're staying in in shape you're doing your thing how important is that um when you're when you're dealing with type one um it's really important to just keep up you know your exercise um insulin does cause you to gain weight it's easier for you to gain weight when you're uh, like getting insulin through like a pump or shots. So you just always kind of have to stay active and alert with your body um, when you're getting insulin. Do you think your management's easier when you're kind of consistently exercising or if you, I don't know, go on vacation or something for a week, do you, do you notice it's easier with exercise or it's harder? Um, for me, it's harder with exercise. I can never get my numbers. Um, like perfect. You know, the other day I exercised a lot and I was in bed for two hours because my blood sugar was low. It was like 50 and it would not go back up. And I drank like 
seven juice boxes was like over a hundred carbs. And I just, it would not go back up. Like I've never had that before at dance. Um, I'll have days or I'll have day. Yeah. I'll have days where I'm dancing for two or three hours straight and I'll be super high. And then I'll have other days like after, and then I'll have other days where I'm just low, like the whole time. And it's just, it's always different. I can never predict what it's going to happen. Um, I can try like right before I go into class, um, see what my numbers are, but honestly it could go either way for me. Um, which isn't some people are perfectly fine, you know, can control it. I can't, um, but whenever I'm not active, it's pretty stable. So nobody's perfectly fine. Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you're, you're pretty close. You're pretty close there, Taylor. I mean, honestly, like you, you're a mother Teresa from the South is what it sounds like. Um, but I like the sense of humor with it too. Um, which I, I, I really, really, really dig. Um, so this is the billion dollar question. I get a chance to be able to talk with, uh, businesses all over the world. I get to coach, uh, teams and, and things like that. And there's always this debate and I need you to help me with this. Um, there's some people that don't believe that greatness can be taught. Right. And mm-hmm. there's, there's some people that don't believe that they think that you are born with it. I don't know what they think it is, but they say that you're either born with it or you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, help us with this. What do you think? Do you think, I mean, because you are an incredible, incredible, incredible young woman, but also a phenomenal human being that, that performs at a high level in so many different aspects, as far as your, your relationship with your friends, um, you know, your light, the beaming light that you are, um, was that taught or was that born? I, for me, I honestly don't know. I think if you surround yourself with the right people and, you know, if you're raised right, I know not as many people as are as blessed to have great parents like I do, but, um, if you're raised right and just surround yourself with good people and have a good attitude, I really think you can be taught to be a great person. So what are the top three things that your parents have taught you? And then, so this is a two part question. Give me the three things that your parents have taught you and all dads. I'm one of them. We all have things that we say like over and over and over and our, the, our kids get sick of it. Like my dad, he used to say this, breathe, drink water and pray. And I would ask him a question. I would be like, dad, uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl? He'd be like, breathe, drink water and pray. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah dad, you said that like 50 times, but who's going to win the Super Bowl? He'd be like, breathe drink water. I'd be like, dad, what should I do in this? Should I buy this salon? Should I sell this salon? He's like, breathe, (laughs) drink water and pray. And then he'd be like, boy, don't you, don't you listen to me? What's, what's the three things that your parents have taught you that's been the most valuable. And then tell us some of the things that your pop says all the time that you're like, Oh my God, are you going to say that again? Um, my parents, three things that my parents have taught me, my independence and I guess my maturity and my courage and my relationship with Christ. They've really helped me with that. Um, my dad, he has a lot of things that he says a lot. Um, my sister, my little sister is like the funny one in the family. So he takes stuff that she says and he just says it over and over again. So right now he's in this thing where he's like, anything we say, he's like, okay. Like just <laughs> over and over again. Like and you could say anything. He'll just sarcastically be like, okay. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you want to say that one more time? Like, 
It's so annoying. Does he have dad wisdom? Like uh, the dad wisdom that he says over and over again too? <laughs> I think he think he does. He thinks he does. <laughs> I don't always think he does. I think he tries. Um, Cause he's really smart. Uh-huh. Um, he just thinks he knows everything. He thinks he's the boss of everything. Sometimes he is. Other times he's very much not. Um, and he, he just, he thinks he knows everything and that's not always the case. So you just have to, I have to teach him sometimes, like, just take a step back, please. <laughs> when, when has your, I mean, your confidence, like, am I correct on this, Eric? Your confidence comes through the screen. Yes. Like your confidence comes through the ears. Like if you're just listening, if you're listening to this, you already know, and you can feel Taylor's confidence. When has that confidence not worked out for you? Like where you were confident and then you did it and you were like, I shouldn't have been confident in that thing. <laughs> we're thinking the same thing. Um, <laughs> so there's a good one here. There's a good one. I love, there's a good one. Tell us the real stuff, Taylor. There was this one time where a long time ago. Where how long, how I, long ago, Taylor? Six months? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah (laughs) and I I don't know how to say this basically I liked this guy and I told him and then he didn't like me but I thought he did but now we're good friends so it's fine but that has been (laughs) (laughs) so so you you rolled up you rolled up with that that hey I got this attitude like attitude is everything I roll up I'm like hey and you just, what'd you say? I mean, did you have a good opening line to him or what? Um, no. <laughs> All right. Well, I was going to tell him at the end of the day at school. And then my friend, it was a miscommunication and my friend kind of messed it up, but it's okay. So then I called him because he was confused. And, um, <laughs> and then he texted me later. He was like, yeah, I don't really feel the same, but I, you're a really great friend. And I was like, I was honestly expecting that, but it's fine. Oh man. Well, he, Hey, he's going to shape up later in pro I guarantee you. Am I correct on this, Eric? In probably six months, he's going to be like, what did I do? So, cause I mean, you're, you're, you're incredible. Um, so I know you talked about being a doctor, like you had talked about being a doctor or things like that, but I heard that people are already talking about you in some executive positions that you got a chance to be able to be a part of. You know what I'm talking about? No. No. You got a chance to be a part of the NFL draft this year. And people were so impressed by you. Um, Talk to that experience. Um, Yeah. So I just make these little videos for kind of like my friends and like little vlogs. And then um, one of the um, guy who runs Titan Social Media, he's seen them. He's reposted one of, it was mainly like a dad being really funny. And he was like, do you think, you know, since no one can get any coverage of, you know, anything during the draft, do you think you could just, you know, take videos and send them to me and I'll post them and you'll basically like take over our Instagram story. I was like, yeah, like, of course I'll do that. Like, that's really cool. And um, that was a really great opportunity. And I've, have a now I kind of have a newfound love for doing I don't know what exactly it's called but just like doing stuff like that you know producing videos and just you know I guess social media I have a passion for that I guess 
So we grew up in two different eras, right? So I grew mm-hmm. up in an era where, um, and your your mom is listening, and she could probably hear this, and the people who are listening that are grow, grew up in my generation, um, there used to be this saying, which is awful today. I think about it when I have a daughter. It's like, oh, you hit like a girl. Oh, you hit like this. You didn't grow up in that. You grew up in a fact of like, you know, boys competing with girls and, you know, where where those things were, were at. Um mm-hmm. What would you say, what do you, what do you say to the young girls right now? What's your message? What's the message that you want to get out there to those young girls right now? Um, you know, just in life in general, and this is a selfish thing too, because my daughter is 11 years old. Can you speak to her and let her know what you think, uh, you know, what you would like, uh, your message to be to those kids? I just think for young girls, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. Um, it all, honestly, I hope it gets less challenging for, you know, like girls and women to have like equality, I guess, um, the same, you know, I mean, we can do the same things that, you know, boys and, you know, men do, but it's not always portrayed like that. I just want to remind girls that like, you can do anything that you want, you know, um, just, you can be a role model. You can, you know, play football, be an athlete, you know, you can really, anything you put your mind to, you can do. And what I love too is like she's so true to herself. Like you, Taylor, are so true to yourself. And I think for I have a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter, and so uh, you know that's I think to see that or kind of hope for that with any of your children. I mean, and myself, right? Just I think that's something that to strive for, and and not enough people um, have that comfort and courage. So thank you. True or false question? He does look like Tom Brady. True. He, he does, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does. Um, so I got to live in the South. So I know the answer to this. You've lived in the South for quite some time. Help us to understand when a person from the South says to you, bless your heart, what do they actually mean? Um, they feel bad for you. They're like, um, it's not really a good thing. Um, a lot of, you know, I'd like to think, I mean, I live in Nashville. It's the South, but it's like the city. So it's not like the deep South, but I have family in the deep South. And when I go there, they just, they're just the epitome of people that say, bless your heart in the best way possible. Um, it's just hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> that phrase. Well, Taylor, I went seriously probably six months without, with that blind spot. I didn't know. And everyone, when I got there to Memphis, I moved to Memphis and everyone was like, Oh, bless your heart. And I was like, wow, everyone is really blessing me. And I feel so <laughs> lifted up. And then six months in, then one of my friends was like, do you know what they're saying? I was like, yeah, they're blessing me. And he said, no, they're not. Did you, did you know that? I lived in Atlanta for six years. Okay. This is the first time hearing it. So I'm thinking back and <laughs> how many times people said that to me. I'm probably going to wake up with nightmares. It's not always a bad thing, but it's, you know. 95% of the time, Taylor, right? (laughs) Yeah, most of the time it's not the best. (laughs) So how has this, uh, you know, how has this COVID stuff as far as uh, like online schooling and things like that coming from your perspective? Because from my perspective and from a parent's perspective, it's like, man, I mean, I'm not a good teacher at all. Like, 
uh, you know, when my, when my child that's eight years old comes to me and is like, dad, help me with my math. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, um, how has it been from your perspective? Has it been something that's been kind of freeing? Do you like this part of it? Do you like the, uh, the, the freedom part of it, getting your school done early or do you, I mean, are you thirsting to get back to, you know, that, that camaraderie? Um, I got out of school like a few weeks ago or like two weeks ago, but the way they set it up, um, was we had been out of school since spring break. Um, our spring break was like middle of March. So we went about two months for online school and um, it was a Zoom class every day. It was basically the same exact schedule as my normal school day, except over Zoom. Um, you know, if we had like a study hall, we didn't have to go to a Zoom or like some classes, you know, wouldn't take up the whole, It they shortened the classes. Thank goodness it used to be, whenever they first started, it was like the exact same, like eight to three schedule, like 55 minute classes. Um, Towards the end, it was like 45 minute classes with longer breaks in between, which was really nice. Um, I did. I mean, I, I would go back to school in a heartbeat. Like I, I'd much rather school. I did like sleeping in, having my own breaks, you know, getting to make my own lunch. Um, but I just like, I miss school. I never thought I'd say that, but I miss school so much. I've, I've got a young lady that I want you to meet. Her name is Aubrey Monroe. She's actually going to be on the podcast on the eighth. You need to listen to it. She's the catcher. She's the catcher for the uh, U S uh, Olympic team. And oh, wow. She is phenomenal. You guys are going to connect. You're going to connect on a, a lot of different levels. The, your 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 killer instinct, um, which when you start talking about competition, I don't know if you realize it. Your mom probably sees it. Um, but there's something that like switches a little bit in you. Um, but also what she has is she has a heart, uh, a, a, an incredible heart to be able to make a difference in people's lives. Um, And she became conscious of her legacy very, very early on. I believe she's now maybe 26 years old, 25, 26 years old. And she was not as concerned with the accolades that she got at University of Florida. She was, and you'll hear this, she was more concerned with the way and the legacy that she left of of being a great example as a person to the people behind her. Mm -hmm. Um, What legacy do you want to leave? Um, I want to leave a legacy of just positivity, you know, kind of just embrace it. I'm, I want to be known that I embraced who I am and um, just affecting people in a positive way. That's really important to me. Um, and just caring about others, you know, I know like whenever I was a little fifth grader in middle school, it was my first year, first full year at FRA. I was terrified of, the eighth graders, I was like, oh my gosh, they're so much taller than me. They're so cool, you know? And I just, I, whenever I was in eighth grade this past year, I didn't want anyone to be afraid to just come talk to me. So I would always try to, you know, reach out to younger kids and younger grades. And I just really, really hope that people see me and think that I'm just a positive, easygoing, nice to talk to person. And think about the impact that's going to have on those kids, right? The first, second, third, fourth graders, because you Mm -hmm. didn't have that from an eighth grader, right? And so now Mm -hmm. you as an eighth grader are having that impact on those kids. And so think about, I mean, that's one of the coolest things I think is right. You've seen where that ripple effect ends. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool to see. 
So we're going to do something as we end today, uh, Taylor, if you're okay with this. Um, okay. We are going to, what I'm going to do, we play the game where I'm going to say a word and you just get to say one word, but you got to do it bow like that. Okay. So okay. the first thing that comes to your mind. So I'm going to say a word and then you just got to say one word back to it, whatever it, it mm-hmm. invokes in you. Is that cool? Okay. Um, football. Dad. Dance. Me. Food. My sister. (laughs) (laughs) Friends. Love. Confidence. Taylor. Attitude. Positive. Diabetes. Every day. Dad. Love. Mom. Love. Sister. Annoying. (laughs) Music. Interesting. Dog. Annoying. TV. Non-essential. Pow. Legacy. Positive. Got it. You are off the hot seat. You are tremendous. But what I am going to ask you for is what I told you, your mom. I'm going to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to ask for part two because we want to be able to follow this journey with you. We want to be able to see what it is that you do because you're going to accomplish phenomenal things. I don't know if you've read it, which you probably have. Um, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, the, the uh, book, uh, The Places You Will Go. Have you read that by Dr. Seuss? Yes. My, bro- my brother gave me that when I first started with my uh, career. First of all, I was like, well, do you think I can't read? Because this is a pretty simple book. But, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he gave it to me. But when I read the book and it talked about moving mountains, I believe that you're going to move mountains. I believe that you're going to not only move mountains in what it is that you do, but the, the, the trail that you leave behind because of the example that you are. Um, please do me the favor. My Uncle Chuck, actually my Uncle Sam, pulled me aside. I was at my Uncle Chuck's house. I was sitting on the couch, and he grabbed me, and he said, don't ever lose it. And I said, what do you mean? Don't ever lose it. And he said, don't ever lose it. And he said, don't ever lose your light. The light that you have, the confidence that you have, the power that you have, that light, that just like, I'm going to go at it, even if that boy didn't reciprocate it, because he's going to come to his senses. And then, you know what you're going to say? Bye, Felicia. That's what you're going to say. Don't lose the light. Encourage the light and, and, and cultivate it as much as possible. But we appreciate you. We want episode two because we want to follow your journey. You are, I mean, uh, what do you got? I didn't know what to expect doing this or chatting, but I, I it's been a long time since I've been this inspired. So thank you. It's, it's really, uh, it's been a blast for me to, to hear your story and, yeah, light is such a good word, right? I think it's it's you just exude this. So many of the words you you said in that word game, right? Positivity, love, um, it just like that comes out of you. So uh, it's a treat. Taylor, Thank write you. write a book. <laughs> write a book. I will seriously. Please. You know, I, I wrote a book, and you know how long it took me? How long? Six days. Yeah. 
And I'm going to, I'll send oh. it, I'll send it to you. Now, it, I wouldn't say it's a good book. I mean, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a good book. Get out of here. Jeez. <laughs> but the reason why I wrote it in six days is because I wanted to, when Oprah interviewed me, then I'd be like, and Oprah, I wrote it in six days. So I had that in my mind, but oh, I want you to realize that your story has so much impact, so much. And, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're just an incredible, incredible human being. Thank you. You're awesome. So subscribe. If you're listening, subscribe, uh, you know, click the links, do all the things that you're supposed to like it and rate it and do all those things. And, uh, but we thank you for being on the podcast again. Um, make sure, uh, that, that, uh, you never, ever, ever, ever number one, lose the light, but number two, uh, encourage that light as much as you possibly can, Taylor. Thank you again. Thank you.